Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and in this podcast, I'm sharing my Sunday sermons from St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I trust that these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. During our Lenten soup supper and Bible study this past Wednesday, during which we focused on holistic health, being well in our whole being, body, mind, spirit, soul, heart, all of who we are, I invited people to share ways in which they feel connected with the Lord. And people shared many different things. Quiet time in the morning, reading scripture and devotionals like the Word in Season and Christ in Our Home, praying throughout the day, sometimes with an app to help them remember to do so, taking care of plants and animals, gathering together in the community of Christ with each other as we are doing right now and as we were doing during that grace-filled gathering, and walking hiking through God's nature, God's beautiful creation, ambling through this beauty that God has made, which is good for us spiritually and physically and emotionally and mentally. It's also a lovely metaphor for our journey of faith, processing proceeding, progressing forward in the presence of our transcendent creator, feeling the spirit move in and through and around us, following in the footsteps of Jesus, trusting in the Lord, and moving forward in faith. Like Abram and Sarai, who the Lord would rename Abraham and Sarah, In our reading from Genesis 12, the Lord called Abraham when he was 75 years old to leave his country, his home, his extended family, and go to the place that the Lord would show him. And the Lord promised Abraham that he and his wife Sarah, who at that point was past the age of bearing children, would become the parents of a bountiful family through whom all the families of the earth will be blessed. And they did what the Lord told them to do. Abraham and Sarah left their country in the land of the Chaldeans, likely somewhere in modern southern Iraq, and they traveled hundreds of miles on foot through challenging terrain and among various groups of more or less hospitable people before they arrived in Canaan, the Holy Land. They left their home. They left their extended family. They left the worship of gods in whom their ancestors had believed for generations. They left their entire way of life. And while we might know their story so well, we forget Abraham and Sarah didn't. They didn't know what was going to happen when they set out. They didn't know what was coming. They didn't even know where they were going when they picked up and left. But 
As the Apostle Paul notes in Romans 4, Abraham believed God, believed God is faithful, believed that God keeps God's promises. Abraham took God at God's word, trusted in the Lord, and moved forward in faith, as did the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul likely wrote his letter to the Romans around A.D. 57, during his third missionary journey, as he trusted in the Lord and moved forward in faith. By this point, he had traveled all over the known world, proclaiming the gospel, and often at great cost to himself. He wrote this letter just a few years before he would eventually visit Rome, where he was, according to church tradition, martyred. Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, to the church in Rome that he hadn't planted and most likely hadn't visited before. So unlike the letters that Paul writes, Philippians, for example, to communities that he knew well and were addressing specific issues, Romans is a more systematic overview, a summation of the gospel that is, as Paul puts it, the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. Romans is an illumination of the life we have in Christ and how we are to live it. And throughout this letter, Paul is helping both Jewish and Gentile Christians understand what it means to be saved, to be rescued, to be justified, to be made right with God, to be reconciled with God, to be made righteous. There was an understanding among some groups of Jewish people, the people descended from Abraham and Sarah, the people to whom the Lord gave the law at Mount Sinai after he rescued them from slavery in Egypt, that they were saved because they were members of the family of Abraham and Sarah, because they had the law, because of their works, what we Lutherans call works righteousness. But as Paul notes, Abraham himself wasn't righteous because of who his ancestors were. Abraham wasn't righteous because he kept the law. The law wasn't given until about 700 years later under the leadership of Moses. Abraham wasn't righteous because of his works. There's no mention of his achievements or his character prompting the Lord to call him. The Lord just called him. And Abraham responded. He trusted in the Lord. He received the grace that he was given. The Lord credited Abraham as righteous, not because of his works, but because of his faith. And so, Paul continues, we are all, Jewish and Gentile, descendants of Abraham, by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. The descendant of Abraham and Sarah, and the God of all creation in the flesh, 
the one who fulfills all of God's promises and through whom all the families of the earth are blessed, the Savior of the world. As Jesus demonstrates in our reading from John 5 for today. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus encounters people whom he heals holistically, restoring them in their mind, body, heart, and soul, caring for their emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual needs, helping Nicodemus understand what it means to be born again, revealing that he is the Messiah to the Samaritan woman at the well and restoring her in her community, feeding thousands on a hillside with five loaves of bread and two fish, restoring sight to a man who had been born blind, easing the doubts of Thomas by inviting Thomas to touch the scars that Jesus still carried after his resurrection. In our reading from John 5, Jesus and the disciples have gone to the pool of Bethesda, which was near the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate is one of the gates in the wall that surrounded and still surrounds the city of Jerusalem. Today, it's known as the Lion's Gate. And archaeologists believe they have found what may have been the Pool of Bethesda. It's about the size of a football field with waters about 20 feet deep. This pool was also near the temple. And so this whole area would have been very busy and crowded, especially on the Sabbath during the festival season. Think of the Empire Polo Club during Coachella. And the temple was very important in Jewish life and faith. Psalm 121, our psalm for today, is a song of ascents. It was sung by the people as they traveled to Temple Mount, to the temple to worship the Lord, giving thanks to the Lord for protecting them, watching over them, keeping them as they made their journey, as they trusted in the Lord and moved forward in faith. When Jesus and the disciples come to the pool, there are many people who are ill lying around the pool, hoping, it seems, and believing that there was an angel who came and stirred the waters of this pool, and then the first one who stepped into the pool after this happened would be healed. Perhaps this is their interpretation of the waters that would bubble up from a natural spring. Jesus notes one man in particular who is, it seems, paralyzed, who has limited mobility, who is ill. And he has been ill for 38 years. What was his life like before he met Jesus? And Jesus walks up to him and asks, perhaps surprisingly, because the answer seems obvious, do you want to be made well? Pause to consider. If Jesus asked you this question right now, how would you respond? 
also surprisingly, the man doesn't say yes. Instead, he gives Jesus reasons for why he has not yet been healed. He can't make it on his own, and there's no one there to help him. And then Jesus says to him, Stand up, take up your mat, and walk. And immediately, he is made well. He stands up, takes up his mat, and walks. This is, as John recounts, the third of seven signs in which Jesus reveals who he is and what he has come to do. He is the embodiment of God's love, the Savior of the world. Some months after Jesus heals this man in the city of Jerusalem, he will return to Jerusalem to this very same area. And he will, in solidarity with all of us who are suffering as we travel through this broken world, Jesus will stand up, take up his cross, and walk the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering through the city of Jerusalem to the place where he was crucified, died, and was buried, and on the third day rose again to life, taking our sin and death as his own and freeing us from them forever, bringing us with him into life eternal and abundant, life now and forever, life that does not end. He ascended into heaven and is preparing a place for us there. And one day, he will come again and make all things new. He will restore us and the whole creation. He will fully and ultimately heal us. As the Apostle Paul affirms, Christ has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In his grace, he has made us righteous. In his love, he has saved us. He has given us life, now and forever, a gift of his grace. May we embrace the Lord's gracious gift of life. May we believe God. Trust in the Lord who is, as Psalm 21 declares, the keeper of our life, the one who is with us always, the one who watches over us and cares for us now and forevermore. And trusting in the Lord, may you move forward in faith. Amen. Thanks for listening. Each week's episode is edited by Nick Cox. Music performed by our St. John's Worship Band. Sermons by me, Pastor Jen Shaw. Make sure to subscribe to hear each week's message. If you'd like to know more about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, to share the life-giving word and do the life-giving work of Jesus, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.